The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's a Wednesday PFTOT. Some things that we either didn't discuss during the program, things that we want to talk about a little bit more. And with Antonio Brown... I spent a lot of time talking about it on the radio side. We spent the first full segment of the TV side discussing it. Touched on it a few more times, Chris, but I want to be very specific now as it relates to what happens next because today is the day Antonio Brown shows up for work, shows up for practice, walks through those doors, those doors that you have explained. You go through it. It's very intimidating and awe-inspiring. How does this extra wrinkle, this very serious layer, these allegations of sexual assault and rape made in a civil lawsuit, not in, in a criminal court, how does that affect Antonio Brown's introduction officially to the Patriot way? I don't think it's going to affect it a whole lot. Uh, again, this is not a team. They're not going to make an announcement in the team meeting and be like, hey, everybody here, welcome Antonio Brown. Let's all give him cheers for being a part of the team. It will be business as usual in New England. There's just nobody bigger than the team. It doesn't matter who you are. Even Tom Brady on a work day Wednesday, it's a work day Wednesday. Now, the thing that might happen that's different in New England maybe than most days or uh, with most new players, I would think at some point today or maybe this happened yesterday, there's a sit-down with a member of the Kraft family, Antonio Brown and Bill Belichick, to at least hear his side of this story and dive into this a little bit. But I think that's the only thing that'll be different in New England. They will go out of their way not to pay attention to Antonio Brown or not to pay attention to the recent allegations. And they will just try to focus on football uh, like they do better than anybody we've ever seen. And moving forward, the league will investigate the situation. The Patriots statement from late Tuesday night confirmed that. And there's nothing to wait for. There's no criminal process to which the NFL should feel compelled to defer. They could easily contact the lawyer representing Brittany Taylor. They could set up a meeting with her almost immediately. They can meet with her Friday if they want to. You could have somebody fly to wherever she lives. I think she's a resident of Tennessee. Sit down and talk to her. Get her side of the story. Get any other evidence that they need. Talk to Antonio Brown. They can move as quickly as they want to. And there is a device available under the personal conduct policy for putting Antonio Brown on the commissioner exempt list. If they decide based upon the preliminary investigation, there's reason to believe that he is guilty. And this is a he said, she said, unless there is some independent evidence that tips the scale one way or the other, it's going to be what she contends, what he contends, and how well their stories hold up under cross-examination. That's going to be the question. And the NFL is going to delve into that probably, if not immediately, pretty damn quickly because they're on notice and there's no reason to wait and she's ready to cooperate. That's one of the big flaws, Chris, with the NFL's in-house justice system. They can't force people to cooperate. So if you just say, I'm not talking, how can you ever properly investigate? But when you have someone who's ready to talk and when, when someone is motivated to get justice 
through that process like Ezekiel Elliott's ex-girlfriend was, that's when you have a problem if you're the player. Yeah, she's ready to cooperate. I would think the NFL's interest level is as high as possibly can be. I mean, for two reasons. One, this is the premier you know, uh, franchise at all of football with the New England Patriots, right? And then we're all expecting them to be back in the Super Bowl conversation. And two, it's the 100th season in the NFL. And so far, it's been the 100th season of Antonio Brown in the NFL. I mean, that's all we've talked about since the start of the league year in March. I mean, he is hijacking the 100th season to where, yeah, I think this is a special set of circumstances with the allegations, with the history of the player, the fact that he is on a Super Bowl team, the greatest team we've ever seen. And uh, it's such a, a spotlight on the whole scenario that, I, I mean, the NFL, I'm glad they're acting fast here and getting involved in this. And, and hopefully they get, can get to the bottom of this and, and figure this situation out a little bit. And, and let's not forget. Now, look, let me just say this. These are serious allegations. And Brittany Taylor is entitled to her day in court. But to the extent the NFL is trying to make us think that it has its own independent court system, it really doesn't. PR is what drives this bus. And there was a time where the PR interests of the NFL favored being very aggressive in the investigation and discipline of players. We have noticed more recently the NFL maybe not being as aggressive as it's been, maybe realizing that it's better to have great players available to play football than it is to come up with reasons to not let them play. So that's going to be a big part of this as well. And I think the NFL needs to decide how big of a PR issue this is before deciding how aggressive to be with Antonio Brown. And again, it's a serious accusation. And it may be obvious from the first meeting with her and the first meeting with him that one side is telling the truth and the other side isn't. And that allows you to make a reliable decision on the merits. But if this one's close, Chris... I think if it's close, they're going to be more inclined to just move on and not do anything. It's going to have to be obvious that she's telling a compelling story, saying all the right things, doing all the right things to convince them that she's telling the truth. And he will have to be a bad witness. And based upon interviews I've done him in the past, there's a chance he's going to be a bad witness just because when you start asking him tough questions, I don't know that he's going to hold up well. And that may come off as proof of not being honest or complete or trustworthy in his account. It could go against him. And then they have to decide what they're going to do. And if they believe that he raped this woman, you don't just suspend him six games. I mean, if they come to the conclusion at the end of the day that her accusation of forcible rape against Antonio Brown is true and correct, how do you let him play football again? Right. I mean, yeah, there's no way you can. There's no way I don't think another team, even if this, even if he's proven not guilty and a lot of things come out where it just looks shady and just not looks good. I mean, he's already doing the high wire act with staying in the NFL. I mean, like we've already talked about a lot, this is the only team, I think, that can really manage him. I mean, I know Seattle was interested. We've heard that. But I would have liked to have seen that. I'm not so sure Seattle could have managed him up there. This is a totally different culture, and he is in danger of ruining everything. And if they are true, everything does deserve to be ruined. We'll see. The th question I have for you, Mike, is the NFL, you think, send somebody up there to New England today, tomorrow, to start talking to Antonio Brown right away? No. Or is this one of these things they go, they see her first, and then at some point they go see him You know, not, not too long after that? Remember last year when it came out, the, the NFL had yet to speak to Kareem Hunt, right. who was accused of, of uh, assaulting a female in a hallway 
uh, at a Cleveland hotel and the video came out. The Chiefs cut him. And then months after the fact, the NFL said, well, we haven't spoken to him yet. The explanation was you don't confront the person who's accused of wrongdoing until you've gotten all the rest of your investigation completed. So I think they're going to talk to her first. And there may be some things that they talk to her about that they need to nail down through other investigative means. Eventually, they'll talk to him. And, and how quickly they move along with this, it remains to be seen. And there's another wrinkle to all this as well. The fumes of Deflategate are going to hover over this because it's one thing for the Patriots to say, we're not going to comment any further while the NFL has an investigation pending. Well, once the investigation's done, are the Patriots going to agree with the outcome? Are they going to think that Antonio Brown is being railroaded by a vindictive league office that doesn't like the fact that he filed a couple of helmet grievances, doesn't like the fact that he is co-opting the 100th season of the NFL? I mean, it doesn't take much to pick that scab off of Deflategate and have the Patriots taking the position that this guy is being accused of something he didn't do. It's a, it's a much more delicate and troubling subject matter than taking the air out of footballs. That's for damn sure. But we can't rule that out because we know that that acrimony was there four years ago with the way the NFL handled the investigation of Tom Brady for taking the air pressure out of the football. So, you know, there are a lot of factors here based upon what we've seen in the past with the NFL and the Patriots relationship. And uh, given that, that these investigations from time to time haven't been perfect, how do we really know what Antonio Brown did or didn't do? And when the standard is that low, is anyone really going to have a high degree of confidence without some sort of clear corroborating evidence, which may not exist if you don't have and it may not be possible? How do you what, what, how do you corroborate a year and a half after the fact that this occurred? So, yeah, th this is going to be a tough one it for the NFL. Be. Yes, very, very delicate uh, situation for the NFL. And the NFL is going to be guided by its perceived PR situation, how people are reacting to it, what people it shouldn't be. But the NFL will be. This entire mechanism is part of the PR operation. And Chris, they're going to be paying very careful attention to what the fans are saying, what the media is saying, what the expectation is for dealing with Antonio Brown before they make that final decision. Yeah, well, perception becomes reality more times than not. And with Antonio Brown, that's the other thing. You know, he's not going to win himself the benefit of the doubt. The tie, the tie will go to everybody else the tie is not going to go to Antonio Brown if things are like "Ooh, this is a, you know we're on the fence whether you know we should do something and take action or not I mean I think with all the actions that he has done and the way he's acted you know on and off the field for the last two years especially that if it was close like that I would expect the NFL to err on punishment for Antonio Brown because of his prior actions. I think that can come back to hurt him in this type of scenario, uh, but definitely a delicate situation and uh, something I know we'll both be keeping a close eye on. Taking it back to football, the Patriots this weekend play the Miami Dolphins in Miami, a place where the Patriots are one and five during their last six trips to South Florida. Chris, I know your theory about it's a vacation to Miami and guys sometimes aren't as focused as maybe they need to be. Something's in the water down there to this cause This is a real vacation this time, lose. though, Mike. This is a real vacation. They're just yeah. going to go down and suntan and then go, oh, we got to play football? We're just going to suntan while we play football. Is that cool? And they'll still 18, win. <laughs> 18 and a half points right. is the spread now via the Westgate Superbook. And look, last year, remember week three, the Vikings were 17-point favorites over the Bills, and the Bills didn't just cover. They won the game. Right. Are, do you have any... 
belief? Is there any path through the weeds that results in the Dolphins somehow shocking the Patriots? Well, shocking would be that they keep it under 18 points. I think that's really – that's where my level is here. Uh, And, two, I do think it's, you know – it's a possibility they can cover the spread, okay? Win the football game? Absolutely not. I just don't see how it happens. This this Patriots team is talented, let alone it's really well coached. And the the one say one way I'll look at it and just go, it could be interesting for two reasons for the Dolphins. One, these are human beings who were highly embarrassed last Sunday by the Baltimore Ravens. So it's going to be almost a desperation-type effort here in Week 2. And then the second thing is, you know, as we've seen, this is Brian Flores. He came from New England. He's going to understand why formations and plays and certain certain things are called, just like we saw New England last year have a hard time with Vrabel and Matt Patricia. So that is always an interesting angle, but I just think they're too far out man to actually win a game like the Titans or, or Lions did last year against the Patriots. And remember, the big concern coming out of that win uh, by the Ravens over the Dolphins was that the coaching staff didn't adjust once Lamar Jackson was picking the defense apart, didn't yep. give safety help over the top. They'll be watching, the players will, how the coaches handle this one. What kind of a game plan are they going to have? How flexible is it going to be? How much is Brian Flores and the other assistants with ties back to New England? How much are they going to reflect their knowledge of the systems in the game plan? And how flexible will they be if New England gives them something different than what they thought? But you, you hit the nail on the head. Last year it was Matt Patricia early on, Mike Vrabel later in the season, who took down the Patriots. And Brian Flores has the knowledge, but he may not have the horses. But again, the Dolphins are 5-1 and one yeah. over the last six <clears throat> years against the Patriots in Miami. It's just something to watch. And, yep. and I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm ready to say it's going to be a complete and total blowout. We'll, we'll see. But uh, I, I, you know, it would be a hell of a story if the Dolphins win this one straight up like the Bills did a year ago when they were 17-point favorites in Minnesota. All right, former Bills running back LaShawn McCoy, now with the Kansas City Chiefs. He got an up-close look at the Chiefs' offense. He said it was nice watching how fast they were going up and down the field, how much space they had, how many opportunities they had. LaShawn, at some point, it's got to be we, not they. You're on the Chiefs now. Anyway, the gains they were getting each play at one point in the game, oh, then it becomes we. We were averaging like 15 yards per touch that's not normal it's not normal and it should help LaShawn McCoy you know to the extent that they're trying to figure out what they do without Tyreek Hill hey if everyone's uh, focused on stopping Sammy Watkins Travis Kelsey in the passing game more opportunities for LaShawn McCoy to prove that he's still a great back Chris definitely and I, I still think he does have tread on his tires there's some juice left in those legs I mean I saw enough in the game the other day to just go Damn, okay. I mean, if there's a, a little crack or a slither to get through, LaShawn McCoy still has the shakes and the explosion to get through it. Yeah, is it the same guy we saw four or five years ago? No, it's not that guy. But I do think that he's going to have a nice little role carved out for him in this offense, Mike. Especially, like you said, now that Tyreek Hill's not there, this is just another weapon that he could that he Andy Reid can implement into the offense and he'll make up for maybe some of the lack of Tyreek Hill plays in the offense. McCoy is super talented. I mean, we know he's awesome in space running the football, but he is like a de facto slot receiver as well. He really is. I mean, you could he could play slot receiver and be a starting third receiver in the NFL and run all those option routes and jerk routes and be trusted to read the coverage and run precise routes and always be on the same page as the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. And I think you'll see that role uh, kind of grow as we go here with LaShawn McCoy as well, Mike.
And consider this, week one against the Jaguars, LaShawn McCoy, 10 carries for 81 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt. Damian Williams, the guy who was presumed to be the the starter and the workhorse, 13 carries, 26 yards, 2.0 yards per attempt. McCoy added one catch. Now Williams had six, so maybe that's where he can complement the passing game. But for LaShawn McCoy, 10 attempts, 81 yards, a great start for him. He had a, a long of 31, but when, when you've got the, the the middle of the field cleared out because they're they're chasing around Sammy Watkins and and the rest of the targets in the passing game, it does create opportunities for LaShawn McCoy to slip through and, and do damage, Chris. It do, it definitely does. And, and, Mike, you know, the other thing that just jumps out to me, his vision as a running back is just – it's off the charts. That's where he has an un, uncanny ability to send his body language one where, oh, it looks like he's going to run through this hole. He's going to run through the C-gap. And then he, without looking, will just put his foot in the ground and cut through the B-gap. And there – he just he creates a hole to make it even bigger for himself because of the way he can cut, adjust on the fly, stick his foot in the ground, and he's just got a great way about him. He truly is like a point guard with a killer crossover out there on the football field. But, yeah, I would think we continue to see that role. We'll probably see Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy on the field together at the same time, splitting roles, doing things like that, but they'll find ways to get him, uh, get him the ball in his hands, that's for sure. A couple of years ago, then Saints running back Mark Ingram took a face full of beer in the first quarter of a game at Buffalo. And afterward, I talked to him and he he laughed it off. He said, my helmet smelled like beer for the rest of the quarter. But hey, I got a free beer and the guy had to go buy another beer. Logan Ryan, the Titans cornerback, wasn't as amused when he took a face full of beer. Now, he jumped up into the stands in Cleveland, which kind of invites it. Not that I'm saying it's okay. Don't jump up in the stands, though, and your chances of getting a beer in the face are naturally reduced. He wasn't happy about it. He called for punishment, and the Browns have indefinitely banned the person who threw the beer into Logan Ryan's face from the stadium. And indefinite, that that just means we haven't determined how long it's going to be. It sounds worse than it is. It could be two weeks. It could be two years. It could be two decades. We just don't know at this point. But, you know, it's not acceptable for fans to act this way. I don't know why people think they buy a ticket to a game and they can just go be idiots and say whatever they want, shout out profanity that you never shout out in any other public place. I mean, think about that. You go to an NFL game, the stuff you hear people say, you would never hear people talk like that anywhere else no. except you. Except well, you. Well, yeah, it's uh, it, it is troubling. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it is, and, and and yeah, I at least I when I say it, I'll be there to where we can have access and we can talk about it face to face. You know, it's almost like the guy who like likes to mf you and give you the finger and does all that things when you're in a car, right? Because he knows like, oh, nobody's gonna get out the car and beat me up. I'm driving 70 miles per hour on the highway. I can be just the asshole I'd like to always be. And I feel like that's what fans do when they get to a football game, let alone they have the beer muscles to go along with it. They've thrown in, you know, four or five beers in the pregame, and now that it's the game has started, and there's another few beers, and yeah, people lose common decency. And that's I don't get either, Mike. I would say to your point, like visiting teams, come on, don't jump in the other team's crowd. I mean, of course things are going to happen with, you know, 70,000 idiots in a, st- in a stadium like that and you're rubbing it in their face. That's not cool. But also to the fans, come on. It's one thing to, hey, you stink or, you know, we're going to kick your butt. When people start saying racial slurs or throwing food or beer on people, that's just going too far and, and we're better than that. And let me tell you, I would not 
I, 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 I appreciate the fact that thousands of people pay for tickets to go to NFL games. I would not do it. Not, not really? to sit out in the crowd. I've been there. I've been there. It's no, it's hostile. It's loud. It's aggressive. It's not worth it. It really isn't worth it. I want to take my, I have yet to take my little boy to an NFL football game, right? Uh, like a real, he's, he's been to Super Bowl 50, but he was like five years old and really didn't know what he was at. I, there's a part of me that wants to take him to the Jets Patriots Monday night game a few weeks from now. And because, you know, I want him to experience real football with the fans and a stadium going crazy. My kids have yet to do that because I'm, of course, working on Sundays uh, most of the time. Yeah. Dad's got pull. Get a sideline pass. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the way to go. That's a, but I feel just like he's got to be up just there. Make, hey, just make sure he doesn't get in the way of their official. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. Thank you we very know how much. That goes. And you know, he's, since he grew up with me, he's heard all the four letter words on the planet already. So I figure him sitting with a bunch of jets and Patriots fans, he'll feel right at home. So there's a part of me that wants him to experience that part of uh, football too. You know, when I grew up in the seventies, I, I, the, the F, bomb never was dropped in the house but pretty much everything else was and of course we were expected to never say it even though we heard it all the time all right right yeah tough thing to and if you did say it you got a shoe not not a shoe in the face but you did get look it was a different time i wasn't abused everyone was abused yeah back in the 70s oh I everyone know. i know now yeah right. i know now you got to be ashamed if you you know spank your kid and i want to be like well I've spanked my kids. You haven't raised the Sims. We're kind of stubborn and stupid. So <laughs> Philip, Philip every now and then needed a little reminder when he was acting bad. <laughs> All right. Before we get ourselves in any more trouble than we already have today, let's call it Chris. A uh, new episode of Unbutton coming up. I may do a PFTPM podcast later today. We'll see how the day goes. We'll see you tomorrow for another PFT Live. Everybody have a great one. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.